love this time of year. It's back to school time, and, and it's the second week into the school year. It was that week when I could still go home every day after school and report to my parents that I still have straight A's. <laughs> after the second week, it all started falling apart, and I was no longer able to say that. Uh, but you always get a fresh start. Right? The beginning of every school year, it's pretty hard to mess up those first couple of weeks. And it's a new fresh start with other things as well. Football is definitely on our minds uh, at this time of year. We're starting to uh, watch the uh, preseason games. We're starting to uh, read about who's going to be playing, who's not going to be playing. Um, It's just uh, an exciting time of new beginnings. We're not exactly sure how the season will turn out. And uh, the same thing is true with TV shows and a lot of other things. Start all over again and give us a brand new opportunity. Um, and it's almost like January. It's, it's like a new year. The same thing is true for us as a church. We have a brand new church year that begins with a school year. And as we begin the year, we start thinking about some new opportunities that we have as a church. And uh, really, every Sunday when we gather together in worship, and as we begin a brand new week together, we do so recognizing the opportunity that is before us. So it's not just in a corporate sense, but it's in an individual sense as well. And that's reflected in many ways in uh, the comments that were shared here this morning about our praises and the things that we saw God doing in our past week. Well, in our text, as Larry just read it, um, from Matthew chapter 16, we find that the disciples, as they are forming together as the, the future church, as Jesus is working with them and as He's developing them, He had to continue to give them fresh starts. I mean, they mess things up all the time, especially the one that's highlighted in the 16th chapter of Matthew, Peter. Peter is continually messing things up. Not just things around him, but things within him. He is in trouble, he's saying things that he shouldn't be saying, he's lashing out, Um, he is overcommitting himself in many different ways, and we can follow that pattern throughout his life. But here, there is something very special about the opportunity that Jesus gives him. But it's also for the rest of the disciples as well. And as we hear this text, it reminds us of our opportunity in our lives. And if you look in this uh, text, if you don't have your Bible with you, look in the bulletin, again, at Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 20. Last week, we looked at Matthew 15. And we looked at Jesus' mission of going outside of the boundaries. He uh, went outside of His homeland and begins to enter into the land of the Gentiles, or uh, as Matthew describes this woman as being a Canaanite. Um, She is not a Jew. She's not a part of Jesus' religion. She's definitely not a part of His gender. And so she is far outside of His natural boundaries. And yet Jesus steps outside of those as He encounters her and her plea for help, and thus beginning the uh, ministry to the Gentile world and to all nations. And Jesus learns and grows and develops in this sense. 
In Matthew chapter 16, you see that he's shifting gears a little bit and he's helping Peter and the disciples step outside of their boundaries as well as they find a brand new opportunity. So uh, if you look at this text, you'll see uh, several different um, things that stand out to us as we read this scripture and as we understand what Jesus wanted them to, uh, to get about their opportunity. When Jesus came into this district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples this question, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, Jesus has been walking around with His disciples for quite some time. He has been getting to know them on a personal level, uh, developing friendship and developing this master-teacher relationship. They had a lot of fun together. They had a lot of trying times together. And they had a lot of those moments, those aha moments, when they see the power of God at work in their very midst. But they had opportunity to observe Jesus as Messiah. I mean, Jesus gave them opportunity after opportunity to see some pretty incredible things. To see Jesus deliver someone of demon possession. I mean, that would be a pretty amazing thing to see. Or to see Jesus interact with a religious snob. Someone that they just detested and they knew that uh, uh, they were always uh, criticizing them for being sinners and all of this. And here comes Jesus to criticize them for their legalism and for their lack of love and their lack of compassion and justice for other people. And so they saw Jesus interact with people in a lot of different ways. And they started to see Jesus as Messiah. And that word Messiah means anointed, anointed king. This is someone they've been looking for for all of their lives. Not just their lives, but for the lives of their parents and their grandparents and their ancestors. They had been longing and looking for the Messiah to come. And they saw Jesus emerging as this Messiah. And they would understand Him as being the Son of Man, the Son of God. Surely, this is God's representative in our world. I was reading the paper this morning about LSU. And, uh, you know, there was just no other news uh, to read this morning. So I read that article about football and the football season that's coming up and all of the uh, questions about who's going to be quarterback and uh, who's going to start and and all of this. And the coaches have been spending all summer and spring as well watching these players, watching them to see what they're going to do and and what they're going to be able to handle and um, how they can uh, participate with the rest of the team. They are watching so that they can be ready for the first game. They don't want to lose that game. They want to win. They want to have a winning season and to make sure that they pick the right people. People that they can believe in. And I, I think that's really the option and the opportunity that is given to the disciples here. Jesus is demonstrating for them Uh, someone that they can believe in, someone who is truly going to be God's representative for them in life, who is going to uh, deliver to them a certain victory. And we have an opportunity to see that kind of Jesus today. We have that opportunity to see a Messiah. Now, how many of you 
have been looking for the Messiah. I mean, I don't think any of us are Jews. Uh, we have uh, a Judeo-Christian background, chances are. Um, but you probably aren't as familiar with that word, Messiah. We also hear that word, Hosanna, which is uh, similar but a little bit different. Uh, that declaration and that cry for someone to come and to save us. And the same thing would be true of Messiah. How are you longing for a Messiah in your life? And how is it that you could observe who really is Messiah? We have all kinds of Messiahs, don't we? We have things that we put our faith in and our hope and we we long for this particular person or this thing to deliver us from our problems and our sins and our challenges. Well, how is it that we could know and observe Jesus? Well, one way is through uh, the words of Jesus, spending time reading and understanding the words of Jesus. I was walking down the hallway out here uh, during Sunday school and I heard the adult co-ed class uh, talking about the words of Jesus. And when I was uh, walking past here, uh, I heard the women's class talking about the Gospel of Mark and the words of Jesus. I can't think of anything more appropriate for us to put our minds on on a Sunday morning than the words of Jesus. But what about Monday morning? Where are the words of Jesus with you on Monday morning? What about Tuesday? And then Wednesday, when Wednesday gets here, we know whether the week's falling apart or holding together, right? As we get to Thursday and Friday, where are the words of Jesus? Are you still paying attention to them? Are you reading them? Are you hearing them? Some people, not me, even sing them. Uh, it just it is an ugly thing when I start to sing, uh, even by myself, Bill. It just gets, it gets really ugly. But how is it that you get God's Word inside of you? I've known some people who take and put them on the uh, rearview mirror in their car. You know, you get a verse and put it up there, which I think is dangerous, but that's okay. Uh, maybe put it on your mirror at home as you're... Uh, getting ready for the day, you look and you see the words of Jesus. Maybe it is in something that you're listening to as you drive to work or in your, um, your earphones as you're uh, out doing things, running uh, errands and doing chores. You're hearing uh, the Word of God. But it's also by looking at the actions of Christ. It's not just the words. Jesus came and spoke a lot of words. But He also demonstrated the reality and the truth of those with His actions. Did He not? I love the uh, image of the, uh, I think it is St. Benedict uh, at the bottom of the the cross, this, this painting of contemplation. The contemplation of Christ. Being at the, at the feet of Jesus and pondering the significance of the crucifixion. The greatest of acts from a suffering servant. In what ways are you looking and pondering the actions of Christ? Think about how He loved people. Think about how He was stern and authoritative when He needed to be. Think about the ways that He served other people. 
Like when Jesus washed His disciples' feet. I mean, they must have been nasty and dirty. And Jesus takes a bowl of water. And He gets a towel and He kneels down at the feet of these disciples like Peter and Judas and others. And He begins to wash their feet. Think about the actions of Christ. As you go into this week, what are some ways that you can do that? That you can observe Jesus at work? Well, maybe another way is by looking at the lives of other people. We probably all have a Sunday school teacher that uh, we remember as being you know, someone just like God. I mean, here's God and here's our Sunday school teacher. Maybe you remember one that wasn't like that. <laughs> I had a few that, you know, here's God, here's the devil, and, you know, down here. But maybe there's someone who stands out to you as being like the perfect role model for what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Does anybody have one of those? No one. Did any of you go to Sunday school? Okay, you're with me. Alright. So think about that particular person and how you can learn from that person. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a pastor or a school teacher or a neighbor. Someone that you saw the life of Christ in. Well, Jesus wants you to observe Him through the lives of other people. That's why it is so important for us to live out Christ. Wherever it is that we, we go and whatever it is that we do, we're not perfect people, but we can still reflect Christ for others to observe. Maybe it's reading an old biography. I, I love to pick up an old book uh, and an old biography to read about someone who followed Jesus and to learn from their lives, to, to learn from how they understood God's Word and put it into application. So we can observe. We have the opportunity to observe. But we also have uh, an opportunity to confess what we believe about Jesus. And this is what Jesus gave the disciples an opportunity to do. He is walking along with them. He's teaching them. And He says, well, who do people say that I am? I mean, he's just curious. Just like right now, all the official pollsters are polling Shreveport to find out what they think about different mayoral candidates. Or uh, as we get ready for the presidential election before long, there will be lots of polls helping those candidates understand what people feel about them. Jesus was doing something similar, but for different reasons. He wants to find out what the disciples think about Him. So He says, what do these other people say about Me? Well, Jesus, I mean, it's like this. Some people say that You're, uh, you're John the Baptist. Um, other people say that, that You're Elijah. We've been looking for Elijah to come back and uh, to really bring that full prophecy of God. And so we think that uh, people are, are saying that You are Elijah. But others, Jesus, some people just don't know who you are. They haven't formed an opinion yet. So Jesus looks at them, and I'm sure He's smiling a little bit, thinking, I'm going to turn this on them. And He says, but who do you say that I am? I mean, that's great that they have all of these opinions and, and that they think these different things, but disciples, who do you? Say that I am. 
Well, who's the first one to belt out an answer? Who's always the first one? Peter! Peter steps forward and says, Well, Jesus, You are the Messiah. You are it. You are the one that we've all been looking for. We've seen You do all these things. We've already observed. And and now we're ready to confess that You are the Messiah. And, And that word again just means true King. You are the true King. You are the one. And the other disciples, I'm sure, start processing that as well. Coming to an understanding of what that would mean for their lives. What does it mean to confess? I mean, they all had a need to do that because the action would come later. The calling to be the church would come based on their confession. And Jesus says, Wow, Peter, upon those words, upon your confession, I can build the church. That's what I'm looking for, Peter and disciples. I can make something out of that. Several years ago uh, on Family Feud, anybody a Family Feud fan? Go ahead, raise your hand. Um, in, in the most recent version with Steve Harvey, uh, you know, he's got some interesting uh, questions, or I don't know if he helps develop them or not, but you know, some of the answers that are up there uh, will keep you engaged and, and keep you watching. But one of the, the questions was, uh, Harvey described how they had asked a hundred people to answer the question, um, what, what word that they would use or who they would identify when they hear the word, the king. The king. Uh, uh, 81 people out of that 100 said, who do you think? Jesus. Who? Elvis. Elvis. Yes, Elvis. No. 81 of the 100 said Elvis. Now, 7 people said Jesus. Three people said Martin Luther King Jr. And two people said the Burger King. (laughs) I'm glad that wasn't at the 81 level. So people have different answers about King, but only seven of them thought about Jesus as King. Now we don't really, we don't have a King here in the United States. In fact, we detest King. So that's probably a part of that answer. We love Elvis. Uh, We don't really love the idea of having a king. But isn't that how Jesus described Himself? That He is a king and He is representing and building a kingdom? And that's that word Messiah. So as the question comes to you today, what is it that you would say about Jesus? How is it that you would describe Jesus? Well, we all have a need for confession. There is that ongoing need in our life for us to declare what we really believe. I mean, don't you hate being around someone who really hasn't uh, been able to articulate a belief? Well, you know, I, I think it's this way. Or some people say this and other people say that. But I, you know, I'm still trying to decide. It's just give an answer. Get an opinion. Make up your mind what you believe. We need to do that. And it's not just thinking it up here, it is confessing it. It is that act of proclaiming and saying, this is it, this is what I believe, and this is who I believe in. We need to do that, don't we? There is a need for confession. 
When was the last time you made any confession in your life? When was the last time you were able to say with, uh, with Peter here, uh, as Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God? Maybe it was when you were a child and you came to that point in your life when you recognized who Jesus was and you recognized you wanted to give your life as a follower of Jesus and and to allow Jesus to be your Savior and the Lord of your life. When you came to that point and uh, maybe it was back in the day when you would have to walk all the way up to the front of the church. You know, that's good Baptist hazing where you have to walk up to the front and turn around and look at everybody. And then to get baptized, where you make a public confession of your faith. That this guy, Jesus, this is who I believe in. He is Savior. He is Lord. And I am making my confession today. Because that's what Jesus invites us to do. Who do you say I am? Tomorrow morning, when you wake up and you put your feet on the ground, it's as if Jesus is saying, okay, who do you say that I am? As you go through your day and you kind of forget about your spiritual life, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? When things are going terrible in your day, Jesus says, okay, who do you say that I am now? When things are going really well and you can feel the wind behind your back and and everything's falling right into place in your life, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Do you still say that I am Messiah? And then our actions follow all of that. Our actions are based on our confession. That's why it is so important. You can't be fully committed to the cause of Jesus Christ unless you've made that confession. I love that song that we sing, He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that He is Lord. There is our confession. Lord, You are supreme and I will follow you well we also have an opportunity as we uh, move ahead to unlock the work of Jesus this is one of those controversial somewhat controversial passages of scripture where Jesus replies back to Peter blessed are you Simon son of Jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father in heaven and I tell you you are Peter and Peter being that word that means rock and on this rock I will build my church the catholic church interprets that to mean and others uh, Protestants, plenty of Protestants do as well that Peter is the original Pope I mean he is the first one he is the foundation for the church but I think you could also look at this in terms of uh, this confession of Peter's is the rock upon which Jesus can build his church it is that confession of Jesus is Messiah he is Lord <coughs> however you look at that It is still the church that is coming out of this and the work of the church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is saying that you as a church are going to be able to participate in doing the kingdom kind of things that God wants to do in the world. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The, the things of heaven can become a part of the things of earth based on our work with Jesus. This is the calling of the church. And it is a communal thing. It's not just what He sends Peter to do, it's what He sends the the disciples to become as the church. And we have an opportunity to unlock the mystery and the work of Jesus Christ in our world. And there is still a need for that to be revealed and to be loosed in our world today. Look at our world today. Isn't it a mess? It just seems like every day there is something else that is blowing up in the news, either literally or um, figuratively, as we think about our world. We need more and more good news in our world today. And you and I are called to be heralds of that good news, to go and to help unlock that in the world and and to help uh, bring God's reign into this world. And that's not always easy. And as Peter learns that this is such a kingdom that not even hell can keep it from happening. It is literally unstoppable. And just when the church thinks it's lost and has no more significance, and if we're ever living in a day when the church seems to have less significance than ever, it is in these days... The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when it applies to you and what you're going through and the things that come into your life and you feel weak and you feel beaten down and you feel like you have nowhere to go or no power to draw from? What a great thing in these keys that God gives to us. We are called to go and to take those out into our world. And as we begin this brand new church year, we are given the opportunity to be involved in missional work right here in our community, right here in our neighborhood. And our leaders are going to gather together tonight and talk about that in the next, for the next three months and look more specifically at some things that we can do as a church. But you don't have to be a leader to be engaged in that. You can join in and become a part of what God is doing here. Back in the dark, dark days of World War II, and I guess they were all dark, but in some of the darkest days for Britain, um, the, Britain had run out of silver. There was no more silver. There was uh, nothing left for them to be able to draw on, um, to be able to continue to fight and to survive as a nation and as a people. And so Winston Churchill puts the word out. Uh, you know, if there's any silver at all in our nation or anywhere among our friends, uh, let us know if there's something that we can draw from and that we can use to keep us going and to keep us in this fight, to keep us surviving. And so word got out and the word of the churches got back to Churchill. Actually, I'm not sure it was the churches that got the word back, but somebody got the word back that our churches and our abbeys are full of silver. The saints are cast in in silver. And they're just full of them. 
And so, that famous quote, that line uh, from Churchill, now is the time for our saints to be in circulation. And so he called upon uh, and invited them to bring all that silver. And the churches did. And they were able to use that silver to help them survive and to do what they needed to do. It wasn't enough to just have those saints adorning a chapel or an abbey somewhere. It looked beautiful, but it served no purpose. And the same thing is true for the church today. We serve no purpose for the mission of God by just sitting here and holding on to our adornments. What God has called us to do is to get into circulation. Do that this week by observing the work of Jesus, by confessing Jesus as your Messiah, and by joining in in the work of the church to unlock the work of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we give You thanks today for Your grace and Your goodness. We thank You for the call that we have to be faithful to You as followers of Jesus. Help us as we move on from this place. In Jesus' name, Amen.